welcome to Ask a Jew, where a secular, sinful Israeli, that's me, speaks your holy, religious friend, Chayalea. Here with me during the high holidays, we are the Ben Shapiro and Elon Musk of Judaism. Um, I feel like we've been there before. We have been there them before. Um, <laughs> we can't be them every single week. I don't. Well, first of all, we can. Uh, no, second, I don't like that. No, I don't like because I think you just assume that I'm going to be Ben Shapiro, but I don't want to be Ben Shapiro. Yeah, because he has a yarmulke, as do no. you. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm going to tell our listeners what just happened prior <laughs> to starting this recording. Okay, you don't want to talk about Ben Shapiro and Elon Musk's Twitter no, space about eradicating anti-Semitism. I do, but first, I would like to point out that you are gaslighting me because I'm an Orthodox Jew, and you. We had some technical issues, and you assumed that because I'm an ultra-Orthodox woman, that it was on my end, and it was my fault, and that I didn't understand the tech issue. And it turned out that my tech was fine, and it was yours. So that was I gaslighting. Wanna, I want to clarify something. I wasn't gaslighting you because you're an Orthodox Jew. I was gaslighting you because it's you, and you just don't know <laughs> technology. It was completely personal. It wasn't... Oh, so you weren't wasn't about seeing me as... Oh, okay, fine. I wasn't just a stand-in for all Orthodox no, women. No, if, if anything, okay. I was doing the opposite of, of being uh, anti-Semitic slash racist because I was seeing <laughs> you for a human being who's not good with technology. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so yeah, back to Elon and Ben Shapiro. They had a Twitter space conversation today, which to a lot of people who listen is going to mean nothing. And none of these lucky words. You. Maybe Elon Musk means something. Maybe they're like, <laughs> I, I heard that name before, but none of these lucky words. Lucky you guys. Anything. Yeah. So they had a gathering on, it's not called Twitter anymore, but I don't know. I can't stop X, calling it Twitter. I don't know. I'm never going to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I was gonna telling like someone the today. old person who's going to say like all the offensive words that you're not allowed <laughs> to say anymore. Like I'll, I'll like something random. I'll be like, what's the weather like? And, and people are going to be like, grandma, you can't say weather anymore. So I'm going to just say it's, ha- it's hard. I mean, this is, I don't want to get canceled for saying this, but like my grandfather, like used to say Oriental, like he, yeah. it wasn't his fault. That's how he grew up. Well, like, it also, to I don't think from the, the Orient, m- most of these words weren't offensive. And then, and then somebody decided, and then we replaced them with other words. And then those words became offensive. And eventually we'll just be left without words at all. <laughs> we'll just do hand symbols. Yeah. I'll just, <laughs> for, we'll just stick hand up symbols for Oriental. That 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 should be not offensive <laughs> oh, yeah. to anybody. Yeah, for Jews. Did for you know, Jews. like in oh, sign? Do you know how to say Jew in sign language? Is it is you, it this? Wait, I'm doing this. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I was doing the money symbol. No, it's a beard. It's like you do oh, like the like oh, you know, a beard I think I symbol. I did know that. I don't know yeah. how I feel about that. Which I, I feel love like it could actually. be worse. That's that's. I'm such a good Jew. I'm like, eh, it could be worse. No, I think it's good. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, so they, so Elon and Ben talked about, um, free speech and the ADL. Yeah. Right. And Jews and anti-Semitism. Well, it was, it was funny because it's like, it's like he, like he picked Elon Musk as like, let me get Jews on that are also hate the ADL. (laughs) So (laughs) because Elon Musk has come, if you've been living in the real world, usually you say if you've been living under a rock, but I think we're the ones who are under a rock. If you've been living in the real world, um, we'll tell you that Elon Musk has come under a fire recently for uh, claiming that the ADL accused uh, him of anti-Semitism, accused Twitter of like an increase in hate speech, which for the love of God, I can still not figure out if actually happened or not. I just feel like there's always been anti-Semitism yeah. on there. Um, and then 
And then basically they lost a lot of advertising money because the ADL was like, everybody get off Twitter. Um, and apparently people still listen to the ADL, which is amazing. Uh, and so Elon Musk is like, the ADL is the worst. And, you know, the Holocaust didn't happen. Um, I'm kidding. He didn't say that last part, but he was like, the ADL is why there's anti-Semitism. And then, and then everybody got upset. And even people who are very much disagree with the ADL, like me are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, right. Um, anyway, so I tried to make up for that. Yeah. What'd you think? I mean, everyone knows on this podcast that I have a soft spot for Elon Musk. Um, even though I think he's insane and, I think he sometimes says really stupid things, but um, I do respect him a lot. I think he's one of the most interesting people ever. I mean, he's done a lot of amazing things. Um, unfortunately, not for Twitter, which is the only thing I care about. Um, Why, but, you think Twitter's worse now? Yeah, I do. Oh, really? But I mean, I don't know if it's worse for humanity. It's worse for me. Like my user right. experience has changed and I liked uh-huh. it the way it was. Um, but... I, I think, first of all, he's so inarticulate. Like, oh he made God. me, when it's he was making the case to. for free speech, I, I was like, I don't want free speech anymore because I'm just, <laughs> you've convinced me that it's not a good idea, even though you were trying to do the opposite. Um, but do you think he I, I was high? Probably. Or maybe that he always sounds like that. But he was like, yeah, I went does. to Masada twice. That was funny. Um, Nobody's been to Masada twice. He did tell people to go visit Israel, which I respect because, you know, that's the only thing I care about. He was trying to make a case that he's very close to the Jewish community and cares about Israel. And he talked about like going to Jewish preschool in South Africa and going to Israel with his dad. I don't think he's anti-Semitic. I I think he just says things without thinking. And I could, you know, I could totally see myself like blurting out something stupid like the ADL is the reason there's anti-Semitism. Except I yeah. wouldn't tweet it, you know, and then I wouldn't, if, if you really make me like argue about it and dig deeper, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably not true, but that's kind of how I feel when I'm angry at them or something, you know, like we all yeah. say, that, I don't know why I'm defending him. I, I just think he's more of a schlub than, I don't know if schlub really? is the right word, than mm-hmm. like more of a doofus when it comes to communication than an anti-Semite. Right, right. But it was, was funny. Because, I can't remember who was saying this today. Maybe one of my brothers. I'm not. I don't remember. But um, I think, yeah, I think it was my brother Levy was saying that, like, he's an incredible inventor, and you know, whatever. Like, he, I mean, the companies he started are. He, he's just a, an amazing industrialist. But mm-hmm. why does he have to be involved in Twitter? Like, that just should not be his thing. Yeah, I like, think can't he, just, he stay it's out his of it. Toy. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's his toy. And he says it himself. Like, I don't think he bought Twitter yeah. because he wants to change, like, the face of communications or... If you were Jack I, Dorsey, would you hate Elon Musk at this point? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think Jack Dorsey hates people. I think he's, like, meditating on a <laughs> under a tree for eight, eight hours. By the way, Jack Dorsey is hot. Is he? He's yeah, so weird, Yeah, I like though. him better than Elon Musk. Oh, yeah, and Elon Musk is, like, completely normal. Like, I don't know. I would Elon take... seems more normal than Jack Dorsey. Don't no, you think? I, I love really? Jack Dorsey. I think he's an idiot in a few ways. Like he gave $20 million to, um, what's his name? Uh, Ibram X. Kendi. Oh, yeah. Um, and I thought that was, that was silly and especially in retrospect, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Jack Dorsey is like, he's, I feel like he's got like his heart's in the right place. Yeah. So that makes sense. aside from Elon talking to Ben, they had on all these other Jews to like ask I questions. I know, and they and all they were, like it they was all like went cringe. to kiss the ring. 
It was oh my cringe. god, it, it was, was super cringe. cringe. I know. It may like at some point I had to turn it off. Um, Same. I couldn't get through uh, it. It was just like it was. It made it was turning me more anti-Semitic, even <laughs> though that was kind of the opposite. But it was just a lot of people like being like, the- "Elon, you're so great." And then Ruby Rivlin, who's the former president of Israel, who I really love and respect, but he's like yeah. such a bad speaker. I mean, why can't we have somebody who's not like you have people who are complete assholes and useless, like this Vivek guy, whatever, but they're like really great or- orators. I don't even know mm-hmm. how to use the word. Yes. You know, they correct. have good like <laughs> verbal, verbal you know, intelligence. BB's an amazing BB, exactly. Yeah. And then you have people like Ruby Rivlin who are great and wonderful and they just talk like toddlers. Why can't yeah. we have somebody who is both? <laughs> That's like, a good question. Well, like us. Yeah. I feel Bill like we Clinton, are both. He, Bill Clinton was both. Yeah. I mean, the, the blowjob part was a little, a little shady. I don't know what that is, but yeah. I know, yeah. Maybe. I'll tell you later. I've never heard yeah. of that. But. <laughs> no, but the funny thing I wanted to tell you about the, um, about the Elon Twitter spaces thing is at some point I turned it off and then I got a phone call on my cell phone from my father who was in the other room. <laughs> Oh and he was like, I just got a push notification that Elon Musk is going to Auschwitz. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he and agreed I to go. That was really funny. Um, that's like, like, you know how you're, you get sent to the Holocaust Museum when you've done something bad? Yeah, like, totally. You're like, you know, you're going to the Simon Wiesenthal Center. It's like getting probation. Like instead of going to jail, yeah. you go to the Simon Wiesenthal Center. I did think so it was he, weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. go on. No, so he's like that. That he he's like, you know, we have to do something bigger with you. We're going to send you to Auschwitz. Oh my god, that's not going to be enough. I've told them my Oprah story about Auschwitz, right? I get so upset about it. But the um, what? Oh, I never told that story about why I stopped stopped liking Oprah because I used to no. love her. I never told you the story. No, I don't think really? so. By the way, ten I Holocaust bell it. dings at ten minutes. <laughs> I thought pretty I told late, a story. I'm sorry for those of you who I don't know. I don't really listen might to remember. You. El doesn't listen to what I say. Um, but I used to l- watch Oprah like religiously every single day. She like was my savior when I had little kids, mm-hmm. and um, she went to Auschwitz with Elie Wiesel. I'm pretty sure I told the story, but anyway, um, no, and she, she went hated to Auschwitz. It? She was like, no, but this place sucks. <laughs> <laughs> one star. It was really awkward. <laughs> no, she um. She went around with him and like, I just remember watching it thinking like, you're not, she didn't even shed a tear. And the day before she had, the show was her dog whisperer because her dog was like depressed. And so she had on the dog whisperer and her, she was sobbing the whole episode because her dog was like depressed and whatever and needed meds. I mean, literally. And then the following day is an episode about Auschwitz and there's not a tear. And I know over the years when I've told the story to people, people are like, oh, you can't judge. Some people don't cry in the moment. I'm sure she cried after. But like, I don't know. I felt like you're standing there with Ellie Wiesel who could barely speak. He literally could not speak. He was so overcome with emotion. I, mean, I would be at like, least this is so try. awkward. <laughs> no, like you would so try awkward. to pretend to cry, I think. I don't know. Like it just yeah. felt very, I mean, she felt I very distant. I I don't know. I wouldn't judge her because I just, she probably assumes that it never happened. And oh my God. Um, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's a very Chayalea story. Though. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't, I did, know. I don't so, think I cried at Auschwitz. No. No. I've never been. I was a teenager. You've never been? Nope. I've never wow. been. Wow. 
You yeah. want to go? But yeah. Poland sucks. Yes. There's nothing else do to do in Poland go. but go to Auschwitz. Well, I want to go to my grandparents' towns, and I'd like to go to Krakow and Ludge. My grandmother was from near Ludge. Yeah, um, yeah, we spoke about this. Did, did I tell I you about the time to. I went? The time I went to Poland, like I went there once with, in high school, but we were at the uh, the 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 Jewish cemetery, and I saw my great uncle's. I like I, I like oh that's weird. Stumbled upon my great uncle's grave. That was pretty cool. Ooh, he, that's he weird. Was, he was kind of a big deal. Um, oh, was he? I mean, he, he was just like rich until the Nazis mm. sent him away and took all his money. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. Cry. I don't think I cried in in Poland. I was really? too dumb. I was a teenager. I was like, right, right. It was probably more. I, I would probably like cry because like a boy like looked at yeah. me weird or something. I wish I went on March of the Living. I think that's an incredible program. And for those yeah. who don't know, March of the Living takes young students. And you do like a trip to Poland and you kind of see, you know, the shtetl life and then you go to the camps and the ghettos. And then after being there for a few days, you go to Israel and you get to like yeah. experience that part of Jewish life. And I think it's a really powerful, powerful experience for people who go on it. Um, but I, like I just, the, I don't know, we never the, did that. I, I like when the Israeli F-16s fly over Auschwitz. Yeah. I like that's the yeah. biggest fuck you, right? Yeah, totally. That's like the biggest flex. I have to admit, I have to admit something. I went to a mm. party this week. And you did? Was it, was it, was it uh, women just, and men separated? <laughs> yeah. No. Because that's a big deal a here Jewish in Israel right now. Okay. I know. Um, <laughs> but I realized very soon after arriving at this party and starting to talk to people that like my whole identity is about the Holocaust and being a Jew. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like, I was telling Holocaust jokes seven minutes after I arrived at this party where I barely (laughs) knew anyone. And I was just like, I don't understand. And then one of the people I was talking to was like, it's really interesting. I've never met an Orthodox woman who tells Holocaust jokes. I'm definitely never going to forget you. And I'm like, is that my brand? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Well, first of all, I think it's time the Holocaust serves you and gives back to you. (laughs) Right? So that's so true. I think if you can use it to, because I know who you, who like this party that you were talking about. I know there were a lot of people there from our world of like podcasting and our world. I, yeah. As, as I a know, podcaster, I think you're serving our podcast. <laughs> that's and what true. better? I mean, what better way to honor the Holocaust than getting yeah. us more listeners? That's a good point. But I mean, but yeah, it gets but it, it gets a little extreme. It gets a little extreme. I mean, I met a woman there who it turned out is Armenian. And so the first thing I said to her is, oh, you're Armenian? Do you know what Jews and Armenians have in common? A Holocaust. <laughs> and she spit her drink out. I mean, like everyone who was standing there started laughing and they were like, you did not just say that. I'm like, I did. I said But it. I feel like Armenians feel the same way. Like an Armenian would come up to you I and say the so. same thing. No? Well, then I was like, oh, have you been to Jerusalem to the Armenian quarter? <laughs> like, no. And then like, the, oh. your third question was like, do you know Kim Kardashian? <laughs> I swear. I said, I said, I'm not going to do to you what people do to me just because they meet me and they're like, oh, do you know every Chabad person in the whole world? I'm like, I'm not going to ask you if you know every Armenian in the whole world. And then proceeded to ask her if she knew that there was a tattoo shop in Jerusalem where I got a piercing this time I was in Israel that is Armenian. And she was looking at me like I was very strange. I was like, I apologize. But yeah. Oh, that, that's what gosh. happened. 
Yeah, I feel like, our, but Armenians and Jews, we spoke about this. They, they, we, we, we kind of like if we're walking by each other on the street, it's kind of like, yeah, we're fine. Like we'll be like, hey, hey, we, know, you know what's up? Kurds too, by the way. Can I right? say one thing about the Kardashians before we move on? Mm-hmm. Um, not that they need to take up any more oxygen in this world, but they are looking so bad. I don't understand mm. what's going on with them. It's like, is anyone going to tell them to stop doing whatever they're doing? Like they were pretty they like are, before. Are they overly? Do you think they're overly? Oh, um, it's, it's awful. Like too much um, plastic surgery. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Mm. They look fake and weird. And you know, someone just sent me actually like five minutes before we started recording. One of my friends posted mm-hmm. in our group um, a meme or whatever somebody wrote posted on their own Instagram stories, and she wrote like, "I'm in Europe, and I realize that I really miss seeing women who are aging." She's like, here people are not busy Ouch. with fillers yeah. and whatever. And she's like, it's beautiful to see women who are aging and look the way they should. And she's like, we just don't have that anymore because she lives in LA, this person. And I thought to myself, I, I was like, I love that actually. It's so true. Like we're not allowed to story. age. I have a funny story yes, about that. Go for it. Um, I went yesterday, not to get too detailed. I went to get stitches out. Um not for a cosmetic procedure, but because I'm in Israel, I went to a doctor that I happen to know who's kind of a family friend who is a plastic surgeon, just just to take my stitches out. Um, and I remarked to my mother who was with me, um, I was like, it's so funny how every woman that works there, like the nurse, the assistant, you know, the 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 secretary, they all look, you know, they're women of a certain age and they all look so put together. Like they're so... You know, like definitely like taking, you know, like taking advantage of the services, but they look good. Like they look like they've gotten the right kind of work done, Uh, except for the woman who did my mom's like, you know, who did the payroll, who we paid at the end. Um, She looked like very like, like a woman who does payroll at a doctor's (laughs) office. And my mom was like, that's the doctor's wife. No way. And I was like, wow, there's a lesson here. I'm not sure what it is. But there's a lesson here. <laughs> Maybe the doctor is so sick of seeing all these fake people. He doesn't want Maybe. his wife doing that. He once That's told us so a story. Um, he was like, yeah, I went to this party and all I hear, hear all these women saying like, I never got any work done. And this her friend is like, yeah, me neither. And he's like, I did her lips last week. <laughs> I did her face the week before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I've been going to, um, this is not exactly connected, but in similar vein, I've been going to a spin class. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to spin three times a week, whatever. And I wow. love it. Do I think like I talked it? about it last week. I did, not, did I not talk about it? I love it. I don't know. It's super we dark. We stop talking bef- like between podcasts because then we don't remember what we talked about. I have about. no idea what I say on this podcast, but I love it. It's super, it's like dark. It's super loud. It's like you're at a rave. I and the best it. part is at the end, they give you this freezing towel that smells like eucalyptus. It's the best yeah. part. Is anyway, it Soul Cycle that you're going to? I go, it's called Grit Cycle, but probably the same. Oh, it's okay. very bougie. It's the exact same thing as Soul Cycle. But yeah, and they like, it's like very kind of sexy. Like they turn, it's the music, everything is to the yeah. beat and your choreography and da da da. And then they like and turn on a little lights. Man and it was like, they, they, they only have this moment right now. Oh my God. I, that's what I was going to tell you about. It cracks Nothing me up. First of all, wait, two observations. Right. You chose to be here today and we are a community. I mean, if this is my community, I'm sorry. Like, 
That is pathetic because I don't talk to any of those people and I don't rely on any of those people. And I want to tell everyone in that room, like, pl- I hope you have other communities besides this class because I'd be like, no I'd one get here off cares about each other. I'd get off the bike and be like, uh, so I need to go to the airport. Can somebody give me a ride? Yeah, exactly. Dear community. Exactly. Somebody come over and help me bake a challah oh for Shabbat. God. Oh, you Wait, can't? but here's oh, my okay, observation. Okay. So every so often the light goes on because the the instructor is like showing us the move, the next move that we have to do. And mm-hmm. the instructor, as you can imagine, is extremely attractive. Okay. She's, I mean, her, she has a great body, super fit. She has like the yeah. long pony that like swings really gracefully. That's like perfect, you know, yeah. and she's sweating profusely and it looks great. You're like, so wow. Sparkly. So sparkly. yeah, it's like, so I'm sitting on my bike and I am sweating. Okay. I, I literally pour sweat and I'm like, that's how I look. I'm like, oh, it's great. You know, I'm looking at her thinking I look like that, you know, mm-hmm. and then the lights come on and the, you get, you see yourself in the mirror because the whole back wall is the mirror. <laughs> and boy, does reality smack you in the face because <laughs> let's just say we don't even look like the same like species. Okay. Like I don't even think we're both humans. Okay. That's how different I look on my You're bike sweating. Okay. I am not sparkling. <laughs> but do you it have cute not workout clothes? No. You need cute workout clothes. Ugh. I, I want to tell you something about that. What do you do with that. your hair? What do you okay, do with your so hair? I cut because if there were no men in the class, I would mm-hmm. take off my, I wear like a headscarf, but yeah. there are men in the class. And, but then I think to myself, maybe they're all gay. So I don't know, but then I mean, if they were smart, if men were smart, they'd all be straight because I feel like you all you do is stare at a woman's butt for forty five (laughs) minutes. It's true. I would definitely go to this. But everyone is so attractive in the class. I don't know. It feels really weird for me. It's really weird. Well, you also live in LA, so that's a problem. It's really. But we should go when next time you come to New York, or next time I come to LA, we should go to Soul Cycle, which I used to go to. Except it's like one hundred and eighty dollars a class or something, um, <laughs> yeah. and it's like where Bradley Cooper too. goes. Oh yeah, and oh, I, I like. He I've been there. So, he does that. Yeah, I think there's always oh. like celebrities there, and it's like you walk in there, and I'm like, oh my god, I hate everything about this. I hate the people yeah. who work here. I hate the lockers. I hate the people coming into the class. I hate the bike. I hate everything. And then they turn off the lights, and it's just like forty five minutes of. And, and then, like, by the time I get off the bike, I'm like, yes, queen, yes. I am, I did something for me yes. today. I am powerful woman. Oh, my God. That's like, it's exactly just, it's a, what it's it is. It's amazing. Like, I oh want to hate this so much, and I can't. It's so great. They have really tapped into something that, I don't know, yeah. like, it really, I, of, I feel that exact same way. When I leave I, that room, I'm like, oh, I'm so powerful. I'm so powerful. I, I took my mom once to a spin class in New York. It was it wasn't Soul Cycle. It was um, forget the other one that's out of business. Um, yeah. And uh, the spin instructor there, shout out to Matthew Johnson, who is now like a director on Broadway and just like a <laughs> lovely guy. Um, my mom at the end, my mom's a therapist, and at the end she told him like, "You could be a therapist." Like, he's just so like... I can't. I When they start with their platitudes, I can't. I really laugh, uh, yeah. actually. Like, it's so I, annoying. Like, shut up. We have like, to go to a spin class together. I feel like we should live, do a live podcast. It would be at a spin so class. funny. I know. But also, but, uh, like, you're right. You feel hot. Like, when you go and you see the other hot people, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm hot. Like, But isn't it true that the hardest thing in life to do is to actually see yourself? It's it's really like your true self, like to really see your true self, who you are. And I mean that like 
metaphorically and mm. also physically. And like, it's okay. one of the things it's, it's a really hard, I don't know, at least for me. And I think a lot of people have the same issue. Maybe not, maybe you don't have this yell, but like, it's hard to look in the mirror and see yourself. I don't, and I mean, I don't only mean physically, but like acknowledging who you are, you know, it's yeah. really hard. Like we're very good at seeing other people and, you know, kind of picking apart the good things about them and the bad things about them and, you know, sort of their strengths and weaknesses. But it's really hard to do that about yourself. And I think there's yeah. just certain moments in life where you get faced with that, you know, kind of like when the lights go on during spin and you look at yourself in the mirror and it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's me. That's like also, that's who that's I am. You, but, but you, when you dress up and look gorgeous is also you. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. I know, that's I don't know. True. I mean, it's, it's very deep what you're saying because there is like, you know, some philosophers will, or people would argue that there is no, I mean, there, there is a you, but you know, you can't view yourself through other people's right. eyes. Like some, one person right. might see you as the most gorgeous person in the world. And, you know, I always think about all these celebrity couples that get divorced. And at some point somebody yeah. was dating Giselle Bündchen and married to her right. and said like, ugh, I can't right. like see her right. anymore. A friend of mine just said like, that. sleep with her anymore. Yeah. 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 A friend just said like, um, find the hottest woman in the world and you'll find her husband who's sick of her, you know, or whatever. Like, yeah, it's true. Yeah. And then you, we, and we also know the opposite, that. right? We know people yeah, for like, sure. I mean, I've been, you know, I did, I've had people in my life who maybe weren't like the most attractive, but to me, they felt like very, right. very attractive. And it's weird when I, you revisit that a year later and you're like, ew, what's, why was I right. into this guy? <laughs> so gross. I think, I mean, this is very vulnerable and I hate being so vulnerable and Do it. open. It's good. But it's like, good for our numbers. It's I, good for our uh, yeah, listenership. Sure. sure, as if anyone cares. Um, I think I spent so long avoiding looking at myself ever, like seriously, like I didn't even notice that I wasn't looking at myself, you know, like mm. I just wouldn't look in the mirror. I wouldn't look at pictures of myself. I just tried to avoid it. And it was really subconscious. I don't think I was consciously doing it. Um, but now I'm in like a different space and feeling differently. And I'm just, I don't know. So like I'm noticing things more and it's hard, you know, I, I really struggle with like being nice to myself but also being realistic. And it's just a very interesting... Yeah. I don't know if men have this. I think maybe it's more... Women. You I look like I you're do. squirming. Are you so uncomfortable with what I'm saying? No, I'm uncomfortable with my back hurts. That's, oh, okay, fine. I thought maybe you didn't like what I was saying. But No, no, um, I, can, I, I can relate a lot. I go back and forth between uh, wanting, like being afraid that I'm in denial you know, I like, oh, yeah. I can look, you know, I'm, I'm terrified of the idea that maybe I don't look cute, even though I think I do. But then <laughs> right. I'm like, other parts of me are like, I want to be in denial if I don't look cute. Like, I want to walk, like in that, remember that Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's such a dumb, exactly. great movie. <laughs> yeah, but no, that was, a, that was a very good point, that movie, actually. Yeah. Do you remember that movie, Shallow Hal? That was such a sad movie. <laughs> With Jack yeah, Black and what happened exactly? It sounds like familiar. he has this girlfriend who's very heavy and overweight, mm -hmm. but he sees her as being like beautiful and skinny, and like he falls in love with her. I don't know. It's like a very you know what I movie. noticed that people on TV now are you know how we're like oh we can't be skinny anymore because we're post skinny, <laughs> so you have people women on TV who are like very skinny 
and still because it's TV, but you also have women who are very heavy. But you don't mm-hmm. have like normal looking normal. Women. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like well, let's let's. I want to bring back normal. Like I want to yeah. bring back a little bit of because then I'll feel better about myself. Like you know, <laughs> a little bit of of pudginess think, here and there. But that's what I. By the way, I'm. I want to say one thing. Like when I when I talk about not looking at yourself and not noticing yourself, it's not just physical. Like I mm-hmm. I know I said it already a few times, mm-hmm. but it's also about who you are as a person. And I think. Maybe it's because the high holidays just finished and like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are very, you know, kind of serious days of introspection. And I spent a lot of time thinking about that too and just sort of trying to, you know, pull out the threads of who I am and who, what kind of person I am. And it's hard. I mean, sometimes you have to mm. confront really, really difficult truths about yourself. And I don't know. We tell ourselves a lot of stories, you know, and we justify yeah. a lot of things. And sometimes you just have to, I think, acknowledge who you are and then recognize that, you know, you have, there are ways to change if you feel like you need a change. And maybe you I don't. You were I mean, say, yeah, I thought you were going to say you have to accept who you are. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think part of it is accepting, but I think, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because I grew up in a Hasidic family and, you know, Judaism is all about moving forward and growing. And I think it's okay to say to accept yourself, but not to stay in that moment. If you notice something about yourself that is less than perfect, there's always room to improve and to change and to make amends and to, you know, grow. And I think, I don't know, I was thinking about a lot on Yom Kippur and I don't know. I'm just I sort always, of playing around with these ideas in my head. Yeah. I always struggled with the idea of self-acceptance because part of it feels to me like uh, giving up. And I know that's yeah. not true. So please don't take any spiritual advice from me, dear <laughs> listeners. But like, to me, it's like, I, I, I don't know, because I always want to like do better and be better. And I think it's it propels you in a lot of ways, but it also makes you just like yeah. un unhappy sometimes. Well, I think we have um, to do both. I really do. You have to do both. You have to accept who you are, but you always have to try to do better. Like that's just the way it is. I mean, the Rebbe constant, I mean, if you watch videos of the Rebbe talking to people, right, they would come mm-hmm. and they would say, oh, you know, I, I, I'm so great. This is what I did. And the Rebbe would never be like, oh, amazing. You're great. He would be like, okay, now do more. Like, what are you doing next? Right. It was yeah. never just like, oh, you're so great. Now you could sit back and just be who you are. The Rebbe was always, always encouraging everybody to grow and increase in studying or increase in mitzvot or whatever, whatever you're doing in charity, giving charity, always do more. So it's kind I think of the opposite of what we're kind of what the opposite of the moment in time that we're in now. I know. Or it's like you are enough. Um, right. Which, you know, has value, but like, I don't know the the thing with like self-acceptance movement and all that stuff, which again, I think is important for a lot of people. But then you look at some people and you're like, no, you shouldn't like you should change. <laughs> you should not love yourself. I would not love yourself if I were you. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so easy right? to see it in other people. You're like, how do you not see what a freak you are? Like, why yeah, don't you then, notice? But then that's the same people who are posting on Facebook. Like, I know. You know, uh, if you don't can't love me at my best or whatever it is, if you can't love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best or something oh like God, that. And you're like, so true. no, you need to change. You need to do the opposite of self-acceptance. So you need to do self-criticism. Maybe that's our, maybe that's something we could start. We could start like a tough love. <laughs> tough love, exactly. But yeah. oh, wait, I'll tell I you one to last talk thing. About, oh, go ahead. Okay. 
Um, no, I want to talk about my my failed spiritual journey during Yom Kippur. But <laughs> oh yeah, I was also just going to say something about Yom Kippur, actually. So that's and what good. you know, we should talk about what's going on in Israel and all this yeah and the mess. But um, you know, I like Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. I'm in Israel. Yom Kippur in Israel is very special. There are no cars on the streets. Um, everybody, even secular people, they don't work. They don't. They just go. You know, some people fast. Uh, most people around me, I think, did. Um, I fasted, but we still, most of us still used our phones, electronics, people watch movies. It's just like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it's just like being kind of, mm-hmm. everybody's doing the same thing. Let's put it that right. way, right. Um, which is special in itself. And the streets are empty. And I've been reading this really like woo book now. <laughs> and I forget how I even got to it. I think somebody on Twitter was talking about it. It's called The Surrender Experiment. Um mm. It's this guy, Michael Singer. I don't know if anybody's read this book, please write to me and tell me if I should continue or if it's going to like ruin my life. Um, (laughs) But it's this guy, I don't know, it's got to be like in his 60s now, who was like this in the 70s, got really into like spirituality and meditation and like dropped out of his PhD program to like live in the forest and meditate by himself. Um, And I just got to the part where he was like, He's trying this whole, for years, he's been trying to like disconnect from his self. So anything he feels or anything he wants, if he wants it like not to rain or if he wants like mm. a certain type of food, he's trying to like fight all those urges to like, because he's like, I don't, I want to like cancel myself. And then <laughs> he just so got weird. to the part in the book where he's like, actually, I just got the part of the book where he's like, actually, that's not a good idea. I can't like, I need to like except that there's yeah. a person behind all this, like... That's good. Anyway, I don't know. But I was reading this book, and I was like, oh, Yom Kippur is going to be great. I'm just going to sit and, like, contemplate and think. Um, So I ended up, um, you know, we had dinner before the fast at my uh, sister's place, and then I, a, a woman of a certain age, um, took my my niece, you know, all the kids ride their bike, because all the... Um, the streets are empty. And I noticed that my brother-in-law has a skateboard, like a long skateboard, mm. one of those long boards. And I was like, yeah. I wonder if I should take that skateboard. And I took it. And at first I like wobbled, but then I kind of got my my groove. And I just spent the whole <laughs> evening like just skateboarding around. That's so fun. Like the 41-year-old woman that I am. Um, and it was really, really fun. And then the next day I just like, okay, I'm going to like I woke up late. I'm going to like go sit in the park and like read my spiritual book and like think about life and think about all my sins and not take my phone with me. And um, yeah, that didn't work. That's so funny. (laughs) It didn't work. I just got like bit by insects and (laughs) I was just tired and hungry. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like you should not, I know this is going to sound crazy to you, but I feel like you should not fast on Yom Kippur because how can I think of anything else uh, aside from how hungry I am. Because you have to work on yourself. That's the whole point. You're not a little baby. You have control of your thoughts and your mind. And yes, some of the day you do focus on your physical hunger, but that's when you have to like dig deep into the well of like whatever you have there that you can pull out and say like, okay, there's more to this day. And by the way, even if you do want to think about your hunger all day, that's fine but you're doing it for a purpose. Why are you doing it? I think the problem maybe is that you don't feel that you're doing it for any reason. So maybe that's the issue. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like, you know, I just, I felt hungry the whole day. And some days, some Yom Kippur's I feel less hungry and some more, I don't know what it has to do with. Um, 
it's funny, my niece, who's uh, 16, she's so cute. She made a, a list. She read it to us that night of all the things she was craving. And they were like oh, super specific. That's cute. <laughs> and it was like two burekas with meat and like, See, you know, uh, a, a pink starburst. Like, <laughs> It's so interesting because I feel like, look, I hate fasting. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, oh, I think it's great. I'm. Mean, it's hard. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. I was very thirsty. I cr- dying for a coffee on Yom Kippur. Like really, you know? Yeah. Oh, and, I drink and, water on Yom Kippur. I don't know how we like. You drink water? Okay. I do. Yeah. You're like, mm, okay, yeah. No wonder. No wonder you didn't feel anything. You I'm didn't drink anything. water. You can do whatever you want. You are a grown woman. Um, but no, I did not drink water. And, um, you know, and, and like because we work, you know, we have a shoal and I'm the Hillel director. So like there's yeah. a lot of talking. There's a lot to do for you. Yeah, it's a busy day. Yeah. But I really like took some time in the afternoon and I don't know, I I want to talk about one little point of something that happened. Maybe this is what you're missing, okay? So Chabad has a custom that right at the end of Yom Kippur, like I I love the end. I think I talked about Mm -hmm. it last year. I, when everybody is in shul together and saying the Shema as one community Mm -hmm. and then the Baruch Shem Kavod together and then Hashem Hu Elokim, we say it seven times. It's, Mm -hmm. I cry every year. It's like so emotional for me. And it's the end of a 25 hour fast. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm like, you know, really you feel kind of, yeah, you're really, you really are wrung out. And it's like the whole community screaming these words together. It's just extremely powerful for me. And then Chabad has a custom, instead of blowing the shofar right then, which is the end of the fast and end of Yom Kippur, they do a a dance, right? They sing a special Mm -hmm. nigun, a song. Um, It's actually called Napoleon's March. And it's Mm -hmm. from one of the Chabad rabbis who, whatever, it's a long story about supporting the czar versus Napoleon and the song, whatever. It's a beautiful song. And this Chabad custom to sing that. It's, you know what? Everything is political in life. Um, <laughs> um, so it's a beautiful song. And so the custom is that right before you blow the chauffeur, um, the men, generally the men will do a dance. You know, they get into a circle like on Simcha Torah, mm-hmm. with, you know, and That's, they do I'm, a dance and they sing the song. And I was watching and it was, you know, my sons and my husband and my father and then some other, my brother-in-law, my nephew and my brother and my little nephews. And they were dancing and you cannot imagine the joy on their faces and they were singing their hearts out and they were dancing in the circle. And by the way, the room was packed with, there were probably 250 people in the room watching. Right. And I just couldn't help, but like, see, I don't know. Sometimes you just see holiness like in action and it just felt like the holiest thing. My kids all fasted 25 hours. They were exhausted. Shimshin was sick. Mm -hmm. I mean, really like, and yet in those few moments, it was transcendent, right? It was so beautiful because in my opinion, and this is what I love about being a chassid, right? This is what what really speaks to me is that joy is really the driver of all our emotions. And watching, mm. you know, even after the fast and after the hard day, that few minutes of joy, it j- I watched them transform themselves in those few moments. They really did. And it gave them that extra energy and an extra boost. And they were able to like pull it together and force themselves to be joyful. And it worked. And everybody in the room, I looked around, everybody in the room was clapping and smiling. And I just, I don't know, I, if we could somehow take that kind of idea where we have to infuse joy into the things we're doing, and it doesn't have to be 
necessarily in a religious context. I mean, it could be in any context, right? Why do we love spin? We were just talking about it, right? <laughs> There's a joy yeah. that we get. I mean, seriously, like that at is the end the of the class, March too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the end of the class when everyone claps and they get we get that yeah. towel, you know, that joy. So how do we incorporate joy like that, just authentic joy into like more yeah. of our daily life? That's all. It's like, hard. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I hear what you're saying and I'm, 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 I'm jealous of it because I don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. I mean, I get joy, but I don't get, like I went to... Um, and I wrote this on our Substack too, so uh, please go and look at it. It's called <laughs> askajew, <laughs> askajew.substack.com. If you don't subscribe, you're an anti-Semite. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I wrote about it that I went for, usually at the end of the fast, we go kind of synagogue hopping, which is fun, you know, just like walk around our neighborhood and, you know, wait, kind of count the minutes um, and walk by the different synagogues. And we stopped at a Chabad synagogue, um, very small right. one. Uh, and my, my father and I stood outside, not outside, like, you know, in the courtyard kind of thing mm -hmm. watching. Uh, and we saw all that. We saw like, you know, we were trying to follow along with the book and it was very nice to watch, but it, it felt like it didn't like, I didn't feel anything. I don't know. Maybe it's fine. But then I said, I this is the girl who didn't cry at Auschwitz. So, right. You know. I mean, you don't have to look, I think part of what I'm trying to say, and maybe I'm not, by the way, it's 11, 10 at night right now after I've been cooking for hours and I'm exhausted. <laughs> and you've been making like 4,000 cheese I know. Cakes. No, but I think what I'm trying to say is that there was nothing manufactured about that moment oh, of yeah. joy. Yeah. It was just like from inside each of the people who were participating. And I think that's what we have to focus on more because we live in a time and place where we expect all of our emotions to be manufactured for us. And mm. I just, I don't know. I think we need to think more about those kinds of moments where it could be internal, right? Bring it from inside of you because it really could change your whole day. It could change your whole perspective. It could change everything yeah. if you could I pull think, it out yeah. of yourself, you know? If you have that, you're very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, it's true. You, but, it and true. we should all like find it in our lives. Like I've, I've joke on this podcast before and I'll say it again because it's not really a joke, but I, I get it watching like a musical or a show or yeah. a play that yeah. I really love or, you yeah. know, listening to a piece of music and sometimes just sitting around with friends and laughing. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. It's, um, it's hard. Like it's, it's frustrating when you're there and I'm like, uh, feel something. Why aren't you feeling know, anything? You can't force it. You can't force, you can't force it. it. But it was, it was still really nice to be there and people were nice and, you know, and then hanging out with my family is, is yeah. always fun, sometimes stressful fun. I have a funny story about um, the shofar because, you know, my sister was telling me that um, they went to this uh, synagogue near their house and, you know, also like kind of hung out outside. And but the chauffeur guy didn't show up. Oh so they gosh. had like another like a, a, like they heard somebody talking and saying like, oh, this guy came instead. But this guy <laughs> who came didn't know how to blow the shofar. Oh, my God. So. My sister said they're all like waiting outside and all the parents with the kids are like, oh, let's just stay here for a few more minutes and she'll, you know, the shofar. And then when it was time, he like completely messed it up. <laughs> and oh, it wasn't like... That's so funny. They were very disappointed. Oh my gosh. There's nothing like but, it. If you've never been to a soul on Yom Kippur, it's really, I don't know. I, I definitely feel it. I Maybe it's because of the way I grew up. I, maybe it's something I've grown into. But, you know, when they blow the chauffeur and everyone yells out, next year in Jerusalem, it's just, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It also kind of smells bad, let's face it. 
I mean, you know, nobody's showered or brushed their teeth. I'll tell you something. Uh, somebody who listens to this podcast, um, I don't want to say too much, but <laughs> I already shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I was sitting next to someone. She won't mind. I was sitting next to someone in in Shoal um, at the end of Yom Kippur, and she was feeling her feelings, and mm. she was really, really crying, you know, in a broken way. Mm. And I just, you know, as she was sitting there, we were we were both doing the silent Amidah, the Shman Esrei, you know, when you say it quietly to yourself and then it's repeated out loud, mm-hmm. out loud by the cantor. But when we were doing that, I could just, I looked over and I saw in her prayer book, it was soaked with tears, you know? Wow. And it just gave me a moment of reflection to say like, every person has something broken in their lives. And Mm. this is an opportunity to come and say, and I I know a lot of people don't believe in God and that's fine, but Yom Kippur really is a time to come and say, I surrender to you, God. Like I need you to help me, right? I I can't do this myself anymore. Mm. And I think when you, a lot of times when you reach that point is really when you hit the magic with, with like spirituality, but you have to be vulnerable enough to, to let yourself get there. Oh, and it's vulnerable, vulnerable. <laughs> no, but it's true. Yeah. You don't let yourself no, no, you're get right, there. You're right. It's, it's hard. It's, I, I mean, two... like, um, I was thinking about what our, our friend and, uh, listener, I don't know if he's really a listener, but I'm just going to say, um, he's a listener <laughs> because I feel like it would be good for us. Um, but what our friend, um, <laughs> Rabbi Wolpe said, uh, who was on a few weeks ago, it was wonderful, um, that it's not about God. It's your, about your relationship with God. Yeah, exactly. Right? Am I, did I understand that correctly? Yes. Um, no, that's true. That is true. But, um, but well, there was, I don't know. We're very heavy like, on this. We're very heavy. I feel like we should talk more about like the Kardashians and <laughs> Elon Musk. But I mean, if we're already on heavy, do we want to talk about with like Israel and how shitty oh. it's been here? With yeah, we could. And I was going to also talk about Sukkis a bit, but yeah, we could talk yeah. about Israel first. Um, I've never, I know you're there, so you've experienced mm-hmm. it and you can share what you witnessed with your own eyes. But I just want to say before you say any of that, um, I've just never been more depressed and pessimistic about what's going on in Israel. And it's really yeah. heart-wrenching. It's really heart-wrenching because this isn't, um, you know, when it's when it's the conflict and war, I don't know, it's mm-hmm. easier to it's easier to not be depressed about. And this, well, I just don't know. Well, when it's a conflict and war, we're all united, right? That's yeah, the upside yeah. of, that's the, the, the treat right. we get for being in a conflict <laughs> is we get yeah. to like all be in good relationships with one another and everybody's like helping out. Yeah. Uh, now we're kind of turned against each other. And it's not the first time, you know, somebody wrote, I forget who, like, you know, like, let's, I don't know if he was me- meant for this to be optimistic, but I took it as optimistic. He was like, <laughs> let's not forget we've had, you know, right. a prime minister murdered here in 1995. We had a peace yeah. activist murdered once. Um, like, th- th- this country has gone through turbulence um, between the religious and the secular or the right and the left. Uh, usually, you know, there's a huge overlap there. Um, but it kind of came to a boiling point um, over Yom Kippur in Tel Aviv and I was actually there in Dizengoff, um, you know, skateboarding, <laughs> but no, I was just like, well, you know, there in that area and, and saw it. But, um, what happened is just like for, you know, sum it up is there's a, um, an outdoor, uh, uh, prayer that's been held over the last few years in Dizengoff square. Dizengoff, Dizengoff is like, 
I don't know. How would you describe it? It's not like, like Times Square-ish. It's like very I mean, like, like Silver Center Lake, of Tel Aviv. Maybe. Yeah. It's center of Tel Aviv. It is the center yeah. of gay, uh, progressive, yeah. crazy, wonderful, artsy, secular Tel Aviv. Like it is right. what you think about when you think of like startup nation versus like the, you know, the Kotel. Um, right. But over the last... Um, few years in Israel, at least much more than I was growing up, there has been a little bit of like, I don't know, Yossi Klein Halevi wrote about this, so that makes it true. But I feel it as well. There's been a bit more of like openness towards religion from from the left and from secular people. It's like a little bit more in our music now, in our pop music, and Mm -hmm. it's like combined with spirituality a little bit. So so there's been this like open um, synagogue uh, and open prayers that are being held by this organization uh, in Dizengoff and people. And apparently it's beautiful. I've, I've never been there um, for the prayers, but, you know, it's, you know, I, I heard somebody say it, it's, it's, it's the way we do it. You know, we also, Tel Aviv, secular, we also have a right to, to practice Judaism in our own way. If that means like having, you know, an open prayer where people can just walk in and out and and be very like, yeah. You know, like they're we're getting the 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 holiday in our own way. That's not definitely not traditional. But anyway, long story short, um, this organization um, that holds it um, decided this year to um, separate men and women um, mm-hmm. symbolically, as is done in every synagogue um, for prayer. But it was uh, in a public space. And in the, the just to clarify, because I I mm-hmm. could not figure this out. In the past, has okay. it been separated? In or the past, is this the it first hasn't year? been. It hasn't been separated. Uh, I've heard two reasons for that. One is because of COVID, so people uh-huh. were just like socially distanced. Um, uh-huh. But also, there are people who say, and and you know, I I can't discount this. Um, I like to see the best in everybody, but given everything that's going on in the country. Uh, there are a lot of people saying, and they're they're probably right that it was like kind of like the organization that's holding this is very political, right? Mm-hmm. You know, religious organization, and they wanted to kind of take a stand. They're saying like we are in the we are planting a flag in the heartland of and we're religious. secular Israel. Right, and we're they're religious, religious yeah. yeah, and we're religious, and we want to do this our way. And then the city of Tel Aviv and the mayor, um, you know told them, hey, you know, it's a public space. If you want to go do it in the synagogue, that's fine. But in a public space, you can't separate men and women. Um, and they told them So were them people not. forced to be there? Wait, wait, let me finish. Um, <laughs> nobody was forced to be there. <laughs> oh, um, interesting. But it was, it was sad because, you know, I, fe- I feel like as a given everything that's going on in the country right now, it felt like they were taking something that kind of belonged to the way secular Jews do things and trying to make it more religious, which wouldn't be a big deal three, four years ago. But given everything that's going on in the country and given the fact that we've had instances uh, recently of women being told to like cover up by bus drivers um, when they get onto the bus Mm -hmm. and things like that, it felt like everybody's feeling very threatened. The religious Mm -hmm. Jews are feeling threatened. That's why they feel the need to go into Tel Aviv and say, we're doing things this way here in Tel Aviv. And the secular Jews feel very threatened. That's why they felt the need to tell them that they can't do this, which 
you know, mm. I still don't know how I feel about the city of Tel Aviv uh, making that call. Um, but what happened um, was was like it's not awful because there wasn't violence and there wasn't like nobody was hurt, I think, but it was still felt awful because you go there and you see people praying. First of all, you see a ton of police and um, on Yom Kippur protecting Jews from each other. Right. Yeah. And you see people praying and there's a separation, which is super symbolic. Like you can't even barely see it. It's like a, you know, yeah. it's like they're separating people with flags. It's not like they're putting like a big a wall. wall that you right. have to climb over. Right. Um, and there, they did it against the, the law of Tel Aviv, which a lot of the conflict is also around religious people and the religious right, um, deciding what is, what they can and cannot do against, you know, the law of the, the city or the country. Um, but then, but they did it anyway. And then you have. And then they're praying on the holiest day and you have left-wing activists, and I call them activists because I don't think it's the majority of the protest movement, heckling people who are praying and yelling shame and trying to disrupt the prayer, which is just fucking awful. Um, it, It just felt really, really bad. It's like you did something really shitty and then... But then I come to you and I make it worse by by coming to you on like the holiest day for both of us, whether we believe it or not. Um, I will say like, I will say the positive is I think the the protest movement itself, like people were saying like, oh, now you can really see who these protesters are. They're all anti-Semites. I love that. The right wing Jews who say that the left is anti-Semitic, like come to come come to the US I'll I'll introduce you to some anti-semites. Um right, right. but but the protest movement um actually put a statement out against this heckling uh the 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 like moderate, you know, uh, Gans Lapid, all the like kind of center left yeah. politicians put out a statement. Um everybody was like this is not cool. This is not who we are. Um you know, there are people praying there who are part of the protest movement saying like, I'm a protester. Right. I fight, I protest against the government every Saturday. Let me pray now. So anyway, it was just very ugly. I'm, I'm hoping, um, somebody wrote, I think it was Yossi Klein Alevi, uh, who wrote, and I, maybe I'll link to this, even though it's in Hebrew. Um, he wrote, you know, I go and I, um, I shout, uh, every, every, every week I go protest against the government and I yell shame. And maybe this time I won't yell shame because I feel like we all are, should be ashamed of ourselves. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, that's know. long story short, we should all be ashamed. Yeah. I have very complicated feelings about that, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all do. I mean, my, my both gut instinct is like, no one was forced to be there. And, you know, if the secular lefty progressive Tel Avivians want a prayer space, like go organize it. Like I don't know, but no that one was, was it. stopping them. That was the prayer space. No, but the organizers, no, but the organizers wanted the machita. They wanted the bear, the separation. Yeah. So yeah, where is the organizers? They wanted to, they wanted who to plant don't? a flag. 
But that's yeah. it doesn't matter why. I'm just saying, By if way, you want the- secular spaces for prayer, go do it. Organize a session, like organize a place yeah. and, and make it happen. It's, it's, I, I look, I'm coming at it from a very different perspective. Like yeah, I, of course. to me, my prayer space is sacred and I only want it to be women in my space. Like that's how I, by the way, pray. I don't think I'm not we comfortable. disagree. No, no, no. I know. I'm just explaining for people who don't understand that. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot of American Jews really struggle with this because mm-hmm. if you grew up reform or conservative, it doesn't make any sense. This whole story, right. Or the mm-hmm. coattail doesn't make any sense because reform and conservative synagogues are mixed. The genders sit together. But if you grow up like I did. conservative or mix. Yeah. Really? For sure. Yeah. So if you grow up like me in an Orthodox community, men and women don't sit together at prayer. And I am Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable praying with men. I much Mm -hmm. prefer a women-only space. Like that is just the way it is. trans man? Uh, we're not getting into that. (laughs) I just want to make this more complicated. Yeah. Let's let's complicate (laughs) it now. Um, so, I mean, I just ask for the same, you know, kind of tolerance, like for my prayer needs. And I'm not saying that my prayer needs take precedent over anyone else's. I'm just yeah. explaining what I need, right? And so it's very complicated. And I think this story is painful because it's just the, in the broader context of what's going on. It's not just that one incident. It's really about the bigger story and the bigger, you know, the bigger picture of what's going on in Israel. And I personally... You know, I pride myself. I, I wrote this in my in one of my WhatsApp groups. You know, with my friends who we spent time at the Hartman Institute, um, and I wrote like I really pride myself on trying to be a bridge between the two worlds. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm able to straddle the Orthodox and non-Orthodox Jewish worlds, and I I really am yeah. proud of that. And I feel like I've spent a lot of my life kind of doing that work. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I hate that phrase, doing the work, but doing the um, work. But Taking I have to space. say. Yeah, taking that yeah. space. But I do have to say that it's really hard and I it's getting harder. It's not easier. Yeah, and I, no, I, no, I get it. I think that I see it here in the United States and I see it definitely in Israel that the, the um, the what's the word? The gulf between uh, Orthodox and non-Orthodox Jewish communities are growing wider, not Oh, um, 100%. Not in Israel, so, it's so... So yeah. felt. I mean, I I know this sounds crazy to Americans who don't know Israel and don't know Israelis to hear how much secular Israelis don't like religious Jews and how yeah. secular Israelis are offended by prayer. Um, right. You know, I'm not talking about myself, just talking about like the general, but also the other way around, right? Like you hear like yeah. how, how many people have are calling these left wing activists Nazis and anti semites. Right. Like, right. no, they're assholes. Right. But I, I'll say two things. One is, from what I understand from people in Tel Aviv, the reason that they were upset about this is not necessarily because it existed, but because it was kind of like their thing. Like it was the secular way of of doing, mm-hmm. and it actually brought a lot of people people who had never been to prayer before into that circle for the first time. And then once they made it a little more religious, those people felt like they need to stand on their, on their hind feet. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Did I say that right? Hind legs. Um, I don't know. Hind legs. legs. I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't, I can't do this. Um, But yeah, people felt like they needed to protect themselves. Like I said, everybody feels threatened. The right, the the religious feel threatened and the secular feel threatened. So everything you do, if somebody, I don't know, if if you organize a lunch now for your company and somebody says like, oh, can we have the lunch kosher? Like, 
like it, it's like a something that wouldn't be a big deal a year, a few years ago now is like a real source of tension and conflict. But I will say something to vulnerable, speaking of being vulnerable. Um, yes. And don't send me hate mail. Or please do, <laughs> if you send it, send it to askajewpod at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, but I was, I was walking down the street yesterday and, oh, wait, I have a funny story about what I was doing. But before that, I'll tell this vulnerable one um, so people can relate to me. Um, <laughs> I saw a, a, a tour group and I always get curious because I'm like, oh, right. where are the tourists from, right? So I look and then I get closer and I notice that they're all Israeli and they're all um, religious. Like they're all uh, not, not Orthodox, but like more like, um, you know, like I don't want to say that they're settlers because I don't know where they're from, but like like that, Datilumi, like, like Datilumi, religious, yeah. yeah, so modern yeah. Orthodox, modern they are Orthodox, Orthodox. And my, Orthodox. my first thought was, why are you here? Get out! Like just go, wow. go back to where you're from. Wow, and I felt, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> friendly. That's it. That's the end of the story. Loving. That's no, the end I'm of the kidding. story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So go back. No, but then I immediately, not immediately, like I call myself, like, wow, that is like. A, like we're in a bad space as a country, yeah, as a world, yeah. that that's the first thing that I think of when I see religious people instead of being like, you know, and if I saw Arab people, I'd be like, oh, that's so nice. They're having like yeah, a field a trip. Right. Yeah. So anyway, everybody needs to relax, including me, but we can't like have these visceral reactions. You can fight against policy. You can fight against people who are doing things. If those people suddenly from that tour group were like, averted their gaze for me because I was a woman, I would be yeah. justified to, you know, call them out and I wouldn't mind calling them out. But it just, you can't like see somebody who's different than you and have that automatic reaction be just, like. Yeah. But I think like the religious, I mean, the religious question in, tele, in the public space is complicated. And I think, you know, let those secular people who are angry, like, great, next Yom Kippur, make a bigger event. You know, make it so mm -hmm. big that there's not even room on the street for anyone else. If that's, you know, if you care that much, it's a market. Like, make it a yeah. marketplace of ideas. And and if you think that that's what people want, great, go and do it. But, mm -hmm. you know, people want it both ways. They don't want to organize Yom Kippur services, but they want to go, but then they're not happy with how it's done. Like, it's, I'm not saying this is exactly the case here. I know that there I, was yeah, a political think, agenda here, but I'm fair, just saying yeah. there's, but there is, there is a time and place where, you know, it's okay to say like, this isn't my flavor exactly, but you know, okay, we'll give in to the more religious sort of sentiment yeah, of well, how I we should pray. I think it also, it's it not felt, kill it felt anyone. offensive too, because it was like, you're, you know, I don't know. It, it, like, uh, I think the deputy mayor, former deputy mayor of Tel Aviv and former um, uh, consul general to New York, uh, Saf said, he was like, this is kind of, this is how we, like the way we do things in Tel Aviv, that's, that should be a valid form of Judaism too. I know maybe it doesn't have but, a name and maybe it has, but I you mean, know, I was talking about mean, like though? traditions. It means having a, you know, if, if for a few years you had like an open synagogue where people could pray and come in and out as they please and you know right. couples could go together and and you know people could be with their friends and men and women mixed like that should right. be i'm not saying this specific event but like you like religious people should look at that and say that too is valid we don't want to do that but that too is a way to pray i mean but 
that's just, yes. I mean, obviously, yes. But I mean, that's just ignoring the whole reality of how halacha works and Jewish law and the fact that Orthodox Jews are very committed to Jewish law. I mean, that is like yeah, the foundation. And but I'm just saying, like, other you're ways asking of being Jewish than Jewish than following Jewish law. Does that make sense? Yes, of course. And I, of course, believe that. And I respect everybody and, and I mean, everybody's choices. Weird, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, I understand that. But, you know, when, but it's, it's also a lot to ask a community to just blow off their fundamental belief system and, and, and not mm-hmm. for themselves, but even for others. I mean, and also in the Jewish state, don't forget. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I don't want to be the one defending, you know, crazy Haredim who are, you know, violent at the Kotel on, on Rosh Chodesh. Like, yeah. I'm not, that is awful. I would never, ever, ever say that that's right. I think it's disgusting. They are, yeah, like, let's they not, are let's an embarrassment. Yeah, let's forget that there are Orthodox people who but, also violate prayer of people. Exactly, right, exactly. So I, I, I want to acknowledge that, but I also think that it's okay to say that I'm not comfortable in those spaces. Like, I'm personally not comfortable, oh, yeah. you know, when women are reading the Torah. And I, I'm fine with women doing it. It's great for you. And I, I think it's like wonderful. I don't like when women... Uh, fly planes. I don't like when I have a pilot who's a woman. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, like I have very, very close friends that care very much about I women being it. able to read the Torah. And I, I respect them. I admire them. I, I give them color for them wanting to do that. It's not comfortable for me. And that's not how I want to pray. And that's why there should be a marketplace of ideas it. of how it can be, you know? And I get it. how every, every change for anybody is like a crack in the foundation that's going to lead to the unraveling of the whole yeah. thing. So the Orthodox right. Jews think that is all of Israel is going to be Tel Aviv and we're all going to be gay and, you know, <laughs> walk around with our boobs out. Um, which is, by, Tel Aviv is like such a sin city. I mean, it's wonderful, but it's really like yeah. the opposite of, of, or, of religious. But then also all the, all the secular people are really afraid also, and I think they're both right. The secular people yeah. are really afraid that the country's going to get their, their religious identity. and they're not going to be yeah. allowed to like go to club clubbing and Shabbat. Yeah. No, so everybody's you're right. scared. Everybody My son had a really funny comment about the whole, not to get into this now because we're already going a long time, but um, <laughs> one of my sons said, you know what's funny? Tel Aviv had no light rail, zero, right? Mm-hmm. Zero days of light rail. And now everyone's pissed that they only have six days of light rail. Yeah. And he was, he's like a teenager, my son who said yeah. that. He's like, isn't that so funny that it's like, that's the way the world works? Like it wasn't good enough to have six days of light rail when you had zero. And I said, you know. forcing me to be, okay. Now you're forcing me to be the person who's like, but that's not funny. Because. (laughs) (laughs) Because. I like putting you in the corner to try and make you. uh, Turn me into the the, the liberal, the humorless liberal. (laughs) That is, by the way, when I turn into that, please like just kill me. Please I know. Same for me on my, you know, on the religious side. I Wait, mean, but I want to tell you, open-minded. What I was doing on, in on that street in Tel Aviv that I was walking. To. What were you doing? <laughs> so our friend, um, former guest Michael Moynihan, um, lovely, lovely guy, was in Israel with us uh, this time last year, and um, he told he spoke once about something that I had never heard of, and I thought he was like making it up. Because he said, you know, in the 50s in Israel, there used to be these like smutty magazines where um, it was like about Nazis and Jewish prisoners. And it was like sex, like a sex magazine. And I was like, that is, that sounds made up, Michael. I mean, that can't be true. So, 
I asked uh, my father and he was like, oh yeah, for sure. And then I, I Googled it. I looked it up and I, apparently that was a thing. That was a huge thing in the, I don't know, huge, really? but like, so I was like, let me see if I can find some of those. And I walked by this uh, area that has like these old like bookstore where they still like use books and stuff. Yeah. And I, I literally found myself walking into a place in Israel and being like, hey, um, do you have that Nazi porn stuff? <laughs> Oh my god! I didn't know how to describe it. <laughs> oh my god! That's and thankfully, hilarious. the guy knew exactly what I was talking about. Otherwise, that would be very confusing. Um, but apparently, they're like collectors' items, and you can't get them anymore. They cost like four hundred or five hundred dollars or something. That's um, so funny. I'm still on the lookout if anybody wow. has them. It's called Stalag. S T A L A G. Uh, maybe I'll put a link to it on our Substack, askajew.substack.com. Isn't it weird? And like at stores that they, where they lock up like intimate items, like how do mm-hmm. people, it's like, I always wonder, like, do people ask for it to be opened? It's like just what, awkward now. If you need like, like a at CVS or something. Yeah. Like at yeah, CVS, well, I mean, it's all behind. If you buy like feminine products, <laughs> that's super awkward. It's all awkward. If I'm buying Advil <laughs> so- PM, it's awkward. Like, I don't need, like, the guy from CBS to know that I'm buying Advil PM. <laughs> it's so awkward. Everything. Well, you know, at least we're not as fucked as America. That's a That's great point. That's what I point. can say about things in Israel. <laughs> at least I we know. don't have your kind of problems. Did you, oh, sorry, before we go on this Twitter space thing, to go back to that for mm-hmm. a second, did you, um, was Natan Sharansky on? Because he was, I saw his picture did he speak? I don't Did you know. hear him? I, I oh, stopped big, listening I at some point when they yeah, were talking. When 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 it was all men talking about how people should have a lot of children, and I was like, okay. Oh, that was <laughs> that was actually a good question. Sorry, I thought that was a good question. Uh, um, I but just, I think it's weird that what, Simon Wiesenthal. Only... What? No, like Simon Wiesenthal's face there with his name, like he's dead. Oh. It was just funny to me. Like, <laughs> I know it's the Simon Wiesenthal Center, but it was just funny seeing that. If anybody can bring people back from the dead. It's Elon Musk, I think. <laughs> that is um, so true. Well, we didn't talk about sukkah, so you know what that means? That means you should go on Substack and write Sukkis. something about it. Yeah, well, we're going to be celebrating starting tomorrow night, Friday night. Um, I will be in An Cyprus. entire week. Oh, oh that's right. Shim? Yeah, good for you. Which I'm um, sure you are bringing a Lulev and an Etrog along with you. Is I that, have them in you? my carry-on. Oh, good. I did you have an what? Etrog lemonade the other day. I know you're lying. Know, I'm I, calling I the Chabad in Cyprus right now and telling them that you're coming to Cyprus and they need oh, to find for, you. for real? Tell them to, honestly, the whole hotel is probably going to be Israelis anyway. I know. I'm going to so tell them to go tell find them. you and make you shake a little of an etrog. Okay, That's I'm going to send gonna you the, be my gift the hotel. To you. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they let Jews in there, though. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm in the but middle of no, cooking up a storm, of, actually. I stopped cooking just to do this. and um, Who are you having over? It's fun. Um... We have, well, we have a nephew from Australia who's here with his wife and baby. Super cute. Um, And then I have every meal, I have tons of guests. I have like 30, 40 people every meal. That's fun. Um, But it's fun. fun. I want to come and cook with you. Yeah, I'm cooking a Um, lot, but it's it's been really fun. Um, I like cooking is is, um, kind of therapeutic for me i enjoy yeah. it i listen to podcasts and music i was gonna say it's I annoying when it like and cooking yeah yeah i mean sometimes when i'm distracted it's difficult but you know get through it um yeah and hope that the food comes out even if uh i wasn't able to pay attention but i don't know i try to do Inshallah. things that i know how to do easily so i don't have to yeah concentrate too yeah hard. i need to i need to have like 
improve my repertoire of cooking. I want to take a cooking class because I don't know how to make, I don't know anything about everything I know is like I taught myself, but I don't know. Yeah, you kind of have to just do that. You have to like make a dinner party and just plan a menu and teach and do it. I do that, but I need to like, what I don't do and I should do more is like do like a recipe thing. Like I always just make a variation of something I know how to make. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like I need to learn new things. Yeah. Again, I'll no, come like to I you sat down. We'll do that. Yeah, well, you should come here. I sat down a few days ago and I like wrote out all my menus and I have cookbooks and, and I saved Instagram things and I went through everything <laughs> and sort of created no, seriously, I created like these menus and then shopping lists and there's mm-hmm. a lot of schlepping cuz tons of shopping, but um hopefully it will oh be good. God, I'm eating like one so night much I'm making meatballs. One night brisket, one night chicken, yeah. one day I'm making sushi salad and Ooh, ceviche. The first, first and last time I had sushi salad was at my friend Yoshua's house, also religious, my other religious yeah. friend. We love and sushi it's delicious. salad. <laughs> it's, it's like, good. it's, it's basically really like good. pokey, but before it's pokey deconstructed was a thing. sushi, like, right, exactly. Orthodox Jews invented pokey. Yeah, it's true. In a way, it wasn't the I Asians. Think. Yeah. No, no, no. Definitely wasn't the Orientals as your father, your grandfather would call them. <laughs> Um, oh my god okay. good luck with Anything the name else? for this podcast yeah <laughs> we've been uh, on a journey porn. tonight i Nazi know porn. oh my god uh, i think i feel like if we do not will we be demonetized if we call it nazi porn i don't want to be demonetized so. my kids already <sighs> complain that their friends make fun that every single one of our episodes on spotify has an e next to it for, for, explicit. for explicit yeah and my like kids rappers. are like why does it have to be explicit why it's so because, embarrassing. Because um, I was going to make a joke, but I can't make a joke that won't make it more explicit. So, for the sake of your 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 dear children, anyway, your innocent your innocent boys, enjoy angels. your trip to Cyprus and the rest of your time in Israel. Chag Sameach. Uh, email us at askajewpod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Substack askajew.substack.com. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter there. And uh, we're on Instagram too, Ask a Jew Pod. Uh, I don't know. That's yeah. it. Uh, like us, uh, help us uh, grow by <laughs> subscribing on Apple Podcasts and rating us five stars. Tell your friends, yeah. tell your enemies. Um, <laughs> and I know we love hearing from you. I love looking at, by the way, I looked at like, because we get this like email once a month or something about like our rankings in, in the world. And I just, I just want to share some big news with you. Um, we are number five in Latvia in culture and relationships. No, stop podcasts. it. In Latvia? I, I feel That's like that amazing. means we have like three listeners in Latvia. Because <laughs> I don't I know how many. There are probably like six culture and relationship podcasts in Latvia. That's hilarious. And we are, but you know, I love That's looking so at the funny. little dots on the map and seeing where people are from. So if you're from somewhere, somewhere exciting, email us. Somebody from Chile... I know, emailed I us the her. other day or DM'd she's us. That so was really funny. cool. Yeah, she's um, great. So, actually, uh, I think she um, was she the one. I'm pretty sure she knew my grandparents. She just really? like realized recently. She's been like a listener for a long time. Okay, and but then you put can't say a couple of things all, together. You can't say that you know. Every time I talk about a listener, you can't say that you know them because that makes it sound like I don't we know don't her. Know. Like we don't have any <laughs> listeners that we don't know. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny! I love the goys. You know, I have a special, a soft spot for the people yeah, who are like, "Hi, do. I'm from Alabama, and I love your show." And like, I know you're my nice. favorite. Okay. All right. Chag Good night. Chag Bye. Bye.